Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and sales managers that want to take things to the next level, and of course, salespeople who are looking to learn and improve. This podcast is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. If you'd like to learn more, please visit criteriaforsuccess.com. That's C-R-I-T-E-R-I-A-F-O-R, spelled out, (laughs) S-U-C-C-E-S-S.com. Wow, that was fun. (laughs) Today's (laughs) podcast is part of our CFS Talk Sales series where we here at our very own team at Criteria for Success share ideas, techniques, tips, insights for our listeners, you you guys listening there in the audience, CEOs and sales managers, salespeople, this series is all about growth and improvement and producing breakthrough results. This is Rebecca Toomey, and today I am talking to our operations officer and senior sales advisor, Elizabeth Frederick. Hello, Rebecca, and hello to all of our listeners. <laughs> Thank you for being here today, Elizabeth. I'm excited. We always have a lot of fun in our conversations, and this is a good topic. I think we'll have a great discussion. Definitely, and for those of you that don't know, this month is all about targeting. Elizabeth wrote an ebook called The Ultimate Guide to Sales Targeting, How to Attract and Pursue the Right Leads for Your Business. And she's here to tell us all about it. And we're here to talk about targeting and how beneficial and important this topic is to the community. So for our listeners, you can find a link to the show notes for the ebook. Oh man, I'm all over the place. You can find a link to the ebook in the show notes, and those can be found at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 99. We're in episode 99. That is super exciting. It's crazy. I just can't believe that it's been so long. 99 episodes. And you have been on uh, the vast majority of them, if not, (laughs) I guess, with all the inspirations, but still the majority. Yep. (laughs) Just a few. I've done a few podcasts now uh, over this past 12-month period. We should go back at some point and listen to the first episodes, especially that teaser episode we did, episode zero, back in the day. Uh, I bet it sounds pretty funny. Yeah, I'm sure. I can only, Im- I can only imagine. So, Elizabeth, let's talk targeting. Let's. I am so excited to talk about your your new ebook because I know how valuable it is. Because obviously, I have read it and uh, I designed it, and it's super pretty. We were just kind of looking at it and admiring it uh, just before we started <laughs> recording. You did a great job. Thank you so much. We had a lot of fun with the design of this one. Uh, it's you know, this is a podcast. So you can't see anything. You're just listening to us, but we'll describe it for you. Imagine <laughs> black and white. A little bit of red targets, you know, dark targets. Uh, it's got an interesting aesthetic to it. So I would love to hear what you guys think about it. Let us know after you download it what you think about the look and feel. <laughs> as well as the content. The content we'll be talking about a little bit, well, a little bit, this this podcast today. Uh, but I definitely encourage you to grab a copy of the ebook. Read it for yourself. It's awesome. Elizabeth did a fantastic job. Thank you. So Elizabeth, can you share more on why? Why sales targeting? Why is it so important? Absolutely. Um, first of all, I want to 
focus on the fact that we're talking about this in November. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. Um, as you are beginning to put together your team's plans for next year, as you're setting goals for the team, as you're setting growth goals for your business, it's really important to have a clear understanding of who your targets are. Um, the the core reason that targeting is important is to save time and money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really everything is to save time yeah. and money, right? And you want to make sure that your team is focused on the right prospects. So they're not wasting their time targeting, going out, trying to find the wrong ones and spending a lot of cycles, um, you know, trying to engage with people, trying to uh, develop proposals. And if it's not the right people, um, you're going to be wasting your time. You might even win some of that business and mm-hmm. it can hurt you mm-hmm. and spend a lot of time. Also money. You know, your marketing budget, Um, where you decide to invest in growing your business, um, growing your team should depend on understanding who the ideal targets are. So really having a good sense of targeting will will save you time and money. Um, You just you also can actually find that as you improve your focus and you know um, where you're going and who you're targeting, that will even inform big decisions you make as a company, like who to hire, mm-hmm. um, the kinds of people, again, you know, where you're going to plant new locations, new branches. All of that is determined by understanding your ideal target. Mm-hmm. So it's such an important foundational thing. And what we tend to find, you know, going into a lot of different types of organizations is not everybody has a really solid sense of who is their actual ideal client. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we're That's what we're writing about, talking about all throughout November is really being able to identify those ideal targets. And then we actually get into how do you find them too. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And it really is such a topical, you know, it's so relevant right now. It's the end of the year. We're planning for next year, like you mentioned. And now is the right time to think about that and to look back at what we've done over this last year and say, we've targeted these people. It hasn't been working or we've been targeting these people. It's been working great. What can we do to, to do more of this? So in the ebook, you focus in three specific areas. Mm-hmm. Best practices for better targeting. The second is a simple five-step process to identify ideal targets. And then the third area is best practices for setting goals based on your targets. So I would love to get into each of these areas. But first, can you share a little bit more about the flow and kind of how the chapters work together? Yeah, absolutely. So um I have a process when I'm writing where I always just first kind of identify all of the things that I might want to discuss. You know, I I brainstorm Mm -hmm. um, and then I review with you. And this seemed like a natural flow because it kind of starts broader and then gets really specific. I wanted to make sure that this ebook is actionable. You know, there's a lot of philosophy. There's a lot of best practice um, and learning. And that's important. That's incredibly useful. But then I wanted to really get into how do you actually make this work? Mm -hmm. So I started with just general best practices. That's a lot more philosophical. Mm -hmm. It gives a lot of foundational knowledge, foundational things that you should learn and be able to do. Um, we'll be talking about those momentarily. But then I wanted to get into, let's let's give people an actual process. <laughs> so it's you don't just, here are the best practices, figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. But um, step by step, how can you actually build targets? And then I didn't want to leave it there because I think a lot of people just do targeting. They understand who their targets are. And then they set sales goals. And there's completely no relation between the two, Mm. which is just about the dumbest thing you can do. (laughs) Um, And so I recently wrote an ebook, um, I believe, called The Ultimate Guide to Setting and Achieving Sales Goals. And um, so I wanted to tie in some of those best practices for goal setting. And I think we'll include a link to that ebook in the show notes. But um, it's so incredibly important to tie targeting to setting sales goals. And um, in general, 
so many things that you do as an organization when it comes to planning, whether it's targeting, whether it's introducing new products, whether it, you know, anything that you do should go back to sales goals. So I had definitely. to tie targeting to sales goals since I was yep. writing the ebook. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it makes sense that um, the person that wrote, wrote the book on sales goal, goals would include that in this ebook as well. Couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes total sense. Now, I want to go back to the first chapter. The first chapter is about best practices for targeting. So what are some of the mistakes that businesses make that you see businesses making when it comes to targeting and why they need better targeting and what can they do to fix them? Yeah, the the biggest and most foundational mistake that we see a lot of people making is they will take any business they can get. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this especially in maybe younger companies, startups. Uh, it's just anybody that walks in the door that's willing to give you a dollar, mm-hmm. um, you're going to do whatever they, they ask you to do. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly dangerous. You don't develop core competencies. You don't develop processes. You have a team that doesn't know what they're supposed to be selling or delivering. Um, and so that's the first mistake. And the easiest way to fix that, obviously, is to have targets, have criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, but then... We see that there, there's a problem that people have. Um, one of the first principles that I give in this chapter, and I'll, I'll give it away here, is the best way to identify your ideal targets is to look at your existing clients and find ideal clients. And if you have somebody who's a really great example of this is a great client, they're easy to work with, we can deliver what they need, they're really happy, we can provide them excellent value and and satisfaction, um, then it's just a matter of thinking, are there other people who have that same problem and Mm -hmm. are in a very similar situation? And we can do the same thing for them. Because if we can fix it for client A, we can fix it for prospect B, Yeah. right? Um, Well, what if you don't have clients? Uh, Maybe you're starting up or you just don't have many or you've always taken everything that that you could and so you don't really have, you know, two or three solid examples to base things on. And so I think a lot of people kind of get stuck thinking, I don't have enough information to actually make that decision. And so Mm -hmm. in the ebook, I give some some questions you can ask, some things you can do to figure out um, how to identify those ideal targets if you don't necessarily have existing clients. Okay, that's great. Awesome. And what's that? (laughs) <laughs> um, and then I, I do actually have a couple more. I can't. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so before you move say, on to the next I question. I could tell you kind of had something else going on there. I was going to respond and I could tell. Oh, more. go for it. Go so, for it. No, no, yeah. no. I, I keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the, the next couple of things that I often see are um, not necessarily understanding that you might have more than one ideal target. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes we don't have just one. It's, you know, there are multiples. Even for this podcast, you said at the beginning, right? Sure. I mean, we have all kinds of people that listen to the podcast, you know, small business owners, mid to large business owners or CEOs of of large businesses, sales managers, VPs of of sales and salespeople. Those are kind of broad. It is a pretty broad audience where they're all falling under the kind of that same category that everyone's looking to grow in their role and help to develop the companies that they're in. So they do have that in common, yeah. but how they function and the work that they do might be vastly different. So Absolutely. And and that's the case with just about every company. If you sell, you know, more than one product, um you very likely have more than one ideal target. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you just sell one product, you might have one group of people that buys it for one reason at one level of decision making and somebody else who buys it for a different reason at a different level of decision making. Maybe one person buys it for their organization, but they don't use it. Mm-hmm. And the other person might buy it for their organization and be a user, and they'll have different reasons that they buy. And so it's incredibly sure. important when it comes to targeting to figure out 
more than one ideal target. Mm -hmm. And then you can also figure out, you might have a lot of different buyers or a lot of different audience members or readers or viewers, but they aren't all your ideal target. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, even for a lot of content that we produce, while we certainly want to add value to salespeople, and they're an important part of our audience, they give us great feedback and great information. For us, they're not an ideal target because they can't necessarily buy from us. We engage with companies at a management level and up. So we're targeting um, higher in the organization than a salesperson, but we want to add value still to those salespeople. So figuring out how you're going to apply um, your marketing, your content, um, the value that you add at different levels within your different targets is really important. Definitely. Distinguishing. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes, if we're, depending on the industry and the market that you're in, you have to adjust your targets. Like you mentioned, it reminds me, I'm thinking about the property damage restoration industry. Mm-hmm. And my dad's been in that industry for 30 years. And he talks about how much the targeting methods have changed because back in the day, agents that worked in an insurance agency used to actually go out and adjust properties and they don't do that anymore. So now you're targeting insurance agents and adjusters separately. Okay. Or you might also be targeting property managers now because the way that the insurance industry works is they don't always like for, you know, the independent franchisee to refer a company, for example. Maybe that's the case in your area. So you might say, all right, I need to focus my targeting on property managers because they have the capability to refer me business. Like you said, it just depends, but knowing the right target and the target that is either willing to refer or purchase from you is really important. Definitely. And I love how you use that example of how it changes over time. Um, One of the big problems that we have is we see that targets are stale. Mm -hmm. Um, People identified the ideal target like 10 years ago or even, (laughs) you know, last week. And it's not always accurate anymore. You know, we have a lot of media clients. And in the media buying world, it used to be that brands would go directly to media companies or media companies would go to brands and Mm -hmm. say, hey, do you want to put an ad here? Right. Um, And they could get to the brand directly. And then agencies got in the middle there. And it really helps brands to have an agency kind of helping them with their strategy. But the media companies need to be able to target both at a brand level and an agency level. And you need to know how you engage with those different people. Absolutely. And um, it's incredibly important as your industry changes, as your product changes, um, whatever happens there, just to make sure that you are you are keeping up to date with changing your targets. And that that kind of leads into another thing that I often see as well, which is quite often we find that there's a big disconnect between marketing and sales, mm-hmm. where marketing might have one target um, or one way of engaging, uh, and sales is looking at a completely different thing. Um, we might see that uh, sales just have like a list of criteria, while marketing have a really rich kind of buyer persona, mm-hmm. and that's not always shared across yeah. the two teams. It's so incredibly, incredibly important that you have um marketing and sales on the same page, knowing who the targets are, that um, they're, you know, that marketing is developing resources and information for sales. You might find that marketing might even do some research. Um, we think it's really important to have what we call buyer personas. It's a pretty common term. Definitely. Um, you drive those here. <laughs> I think you wrote an ebook. I the- did. I, there's an ebook called Sales and Marketing Alignment. Really and important. In the ebook, it talks about what buyer personas are. There's an exercise in that ebook so if you wanted to develop your own buyer personas, you could mm-hmm. get started with that. There's an actual worksheet for it. So I'll throw that in the show notes as well, criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 99. Absolutely. So yeah, it's just so incredibly important to have sales and marketing working together. And I think 
That's one of the most foundational tools. If you can work together on a buyer persona, that's your target. And then a good buyer persona should include um, what marketing, you know, how was marketing going to engage with them? How are you going to attract inbound and outbound? And then what are you going to do on an outbound basis? And that also shows how is sales going to interact. So a good buyer persona should be actionable for both marketing and sales. Something interesting that I want to point out that it's actually something that we discovered here is we noticed that our buyer personas were kind of shifting one heavy sort of way in a direction that maybe we we didn't feel like was the right direction. And then we looked at our content and we said, you know what? It's our content. We yes. need to sh- focus our co- hyper-focus our content on the correct audience. Even though we have a broad audience, you know, of different types of people, we notice an opportunity where we could hyper-focus a little bit better. It would have been easy for us to say, oh, well, we're just getting all of these people. Maybe we should uh, have a product or a solution for these people. That wasn't what we needed to do. We just needed to shift our content focus. Such a great point. I think a lot of times we kind of just want to follow the audience or we want, you know, we're attracting these people. So we have to like twist ourselves around Mm -hmm. to meet them. And certainly sometimes you do need to. So I don't want to say that's never, ever the case. Yeah. But in general, if you have a good ideal target and you're not tar- and you're not attracting those people, mm-hmm. you need to look at what you're doing because there's something about the way you're presenting yourself, where you're showing up, how you're showing up that's attracting the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And again, that's causing uh, a big cost mm-hmm. of time and money. Um, if you have you know uh, a, an ideal target and you're filtering in the leads that come in through inbound leads and 90, 95% of them are not qualified, they don't fit your ideal target, you've got uh, a resource that you're wasting, um, whether it's a person or even if it's an automated system, it's still um, just a lot of chaff, a lot of waste. And so if you can figure out how to you know, look at um, what's happening, look at what comes in, look at how you're perceived and the reactions, that actually helps inform not just your target, but it helps inform how you engage um, and, and what you do. Absolutely, definitely. Now, chapter two, was all about a simple five-step sales targeting process, which huge gem there. <laughs> if you're listening, don't forget to grab this ebook because heck, why wouldn't you want a five-step process for targeting? Um, so you don't want to miss this chapter. Without giving too much away, can you speak <laughs> to this chapter <laughs> since now I've plugged it up here? <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, let's try to not not give away the farm. Um, definitely, it's a it's a really simple process. Five steps. I thought made sense. I was like, I don't know. That's a good number. Um, like with the ebook, I started broad and then got more specific, and that's how you should definitely approach targeting. You want to start at the company level and really figure out um, what are the big pictures of what are the kinds of companies you want to work with, assuming a B2B sale. Um, and then you want to actually get specific and get down to people and job titles. And that's that's a buyer persona. Mm-hmm. A buyer persona is not a company. Mm-hmm. It is a person yes. at a company. Yes, definitely. Or as they say, a semi, semi-fictional semi representation of your ideal buyer. Yes. <laughs> I've only said that a million times. 
Exactly. <laughs> and so you want to, again, picture this, right? Um, at a company level, that's, are you targeting um, big, fast-growing companies? Are you targeting mature companies? Are you targeting um, certain industries or not? Are you targeting, uh, this can be a good criteria, public or private? Um, you might have considerations uh, or it doesn't matter. Um, and so you need to think through those kind of company level big picture. Um, and then you break it down to individuals. Like I was talking about earlier, within one company, you might see that typically there's a purchasing team that's involved in making a decision. Or you might find that there are people that might buy in different roles. So let's say you sell a software solution. Um, you might find that a person that's in charge of IT might buy the software solution. Mm -hmm. Or you might find that the department that actually would use that software solution would buy it. So let's say it's an HR software. You could, you might be selling to the CIO, and then they would have considerations. You know, is it going to interface with my other systems? Is it going to um, be easy to install, easy to administer on an ongoing basis? Maybe even, you know, what does the support look like? Um, what's the license fee? Mm -hmm. They're going to be focused a little more on the implementation and the management because that's their job. If you're selling to the CHRO or you know, the HR manager or director, whatever the title might be, they care more about how does the actual software work. Sure. And yeah. sometimes um, you might identify one of those as the better target for you. Okay. Um, it'll depend on you. It'll depend on how you communicate, what you're good at, what your core competencies are. If your big selling proposition is that the software is easy to administer and is easy to integrate and fits in with all your other systems, and you're selling to the CHRO, they're not getting the messages they need. Right. Yeah. Um, and so maybe it just makes sense to target the CIOs um, or you need to figure out what are the selling propositions that actually um, fit the, the, you know, the CHROs so yeah. that they can buy from us. And so yeah. really um, making those distinctions and then identifying both might be your ideal targets. And that's very common. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get into a company either way, then making sure that you have an approach for each one. So that's that's the big first step is really start broad and get more specific, you know, get from companies to people and then within people, make sure you've got kind of differences. Definitely. I love that. I mean, it makes so much sense. It's you, we don't always it's not always as black and white and clean as we would like it to yes. be. Right? <laughs> you want to be like we have target A and they look exactly like this. <laughs> Target B, and they look like this. Target C, they look like this. And it's like, what about the person who's in between? Yeah, definitely. And not everyone communicates in the same way. Like you, you're referring to the different titles. For example, if you're you were working or targeting a CEO and a VP of sales, they're not going to communicate with those two types of people in the same sort of way. And there's mm -hmm. different processes and different ways of going about it. So it's really important to think through all of your buyer personas, all of the stakeholders, in the process as you're developing out your targeting process. Absolutely. And that's a great example because you might find, especially for a CEO, they all have a different mindset um, and a different kind of approach that they take. Oh, totally. You have some CEOs who are very sales focused, mm -hmm. right? Um, they actually get involved in deals. Maybe they came from a sales background. That's just kind of their core competency. They love the sale. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to have a very different process of buying than if you have a CEO who came up maybe on the more operational side um, or somebody whose role is more to be involved in kind of being a brand ambassador and PR. Mm -hmm. um, there's a very different mindset. Totally. And so it's incredibly important um, when you think of your buyer personas, you might even have two different CEO buyer personas. One is for this kind of CEO and one is for that kind of CEO. Yep. Um, you know, back to... Which the, actually, you are bringing up something that I know that you specialize in, which is behavior and human behavior. And that's an, kind of a 
totally next level of this conversation, which is selling to people based on their personality and their behavioral style, which I don't know if this fits in here, but it just you know got me thinking that sometimes some CEOs, you're not going to sell to them the same way because of their personality, because of the way that they like to be sold. Absolutely. That's a really great point. And I don't know that I um, I got that a lot of that into the ebook, mm-hmm. but there I but do, do I do mention talk it. Talk about that and yeah. Yeah, and, and I mention it in um when you're building out your rich buyer personas, you want to think about characteristics like their personality, mm-hmm. like their behavioral style. Mm-hmm. Um, we use the disc methodology because that's really easy. We'll include some resources for that in the show notes. I saw Rebecca just make a note. But um it might be other things. You know, maybe you find that the CEO or, or the you know the the buyers that tend to be the best people to engage with are people who are really personally invested in the growth of their companies. Um, they have maybe uh, some sort of a critical stake in it. Maybe you work best with founder-led companies, okay. or maybe you work best with leaders in transition, or people who just came into a job yeah. um, and are have kind of a mandate to see growth. That's not necessarily a behavioral assessment, but it might be situational. Mm-hmm. You might find that you tend to um, work better with people who are more analytical, and that is more behavior assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you need to have a client partner who is going to be very detail-oriented. If your process of implementation requires a partner who's like that, um, maybe that's part of your ideal target. And so you could sell to three different people with the same job title, but if one has that more analytical approach, they're going to be more likely to you know, move forward and, and end up buying from you. And so if you can identify that as a target earlier and have that in mind, that gives your sales team and even your marketing team the ability to target the better ones. And you know, you can't always be everything to everybody. And yes. sometimes you just need to go with who's easier. Yeah, definitely. All right. Last chapter is about setting sales goals, which I love. We're talking about this at the right time of year, November. And I think that this re- chapter really ties everything together. And I'd really like to hear more about your thought process and how you think readers can apply this chapter. Absolutely. Um, one thing that's in the previous chapter but ties to sales goals is, um, first of all, you want to make sure to have disqualifiers. Okay. So as you are thinking about how to, so let's step back. Um, sales goals are all about driving activity, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, making sure that you have a plan for what your sales people are going to be doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you want to make sure to start out with, um, these are the things you can work on. And these are the things that you can't. Um, That should happen as early as possible. Mm -hmm. So um, automated systems are great. If you have inbound leads coming in, can there be a scoring system or something else that's going to just shuffle the right ones um, to be in front of the team? I have an idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can actually. And this is, I'm going to speak to you guys right now from a marketing perspective. Definitely work with your marketing team. Your marketing team has insane insights, especially if you are using an inbound marketing platform like HubSpot or Marketo or Pardot, something like that. They can really look on the back end and and tell you what's going on behind the scenes. You can do a lot of things in those platforms. And we actually work with our sales people within the organization here on that to create lists that actually filter down. You mentioned lead scoring. Some organizations, if it's not a complex sale, can use something that's called lead scoring, where it actually gives a score based on criteria for Basically, how ideal is this target? Yeah, which is what we're what we're talking about today. Definitely. But if you can't, if you don't have lead scoring, if it doesn't work for you, you can work around it by creating a list based on the criteria that 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 are your ideal target. So, say, you know, you want to look at a specific persona. You want that persona to be in a specific region. 
Um, they need to have X, Y, and Z as well within their profile. There's, you know, there's very specific things that you can do within that. So sales and marketing alignment, get together. And there's, oh my God, it's amazing. Amazing things can happen when when you guys work together. Definitely. And like you said, it's all about the upfront, right? You need to actually take the time to build out those systems. Definitely. So then it comes to actually setting sales goals for people. Um, one of the first things you need to make sure that you're doing is understanding what's the realistic potential within a territory. Um, whether your salespeople have super defined geographic territories where somebody is only allowed to sell within a certain state or states in the US or countries or um, other regions, you want to make sure that you understand how many ideal targets are contained within that territory. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you don't have geographic territories. Maybe you have um, some people work on mid-market accounts. Some people work on small accounts. Some people work on the largest. Um, even in that case, how many of those companies are there? Um, within how many of those general companies are there? Mm -hmm. um, how many of your ideal target companies <laughs> are there? And you don't want to set goals that are outside that range, right? Mm -hmm. If um, if somebody's in, in geographic territory or size or some other consideration, um, and you're setting a goal for growth that, that there aren't enough ideal targets to meet, you're going to be incentivizing your salespeople to stretch outside those disqualifiers really in point. order to try to hit their targets. Yeah. And so if there's just not enough capacity, um, make sure you're not setting unrealistic goals. So mm -hmm. understanding your ideal targets and then actually doing the research to know how many of them there are. And then certainly you're not going to get all of them in one year, right? Yeah. So if it's a newer product or service especially, um, what's a realistic percentage of those ideal targets to get this year? And it's not you know, then you have to consider which ones already have a similar solution and we are converting them versus which ones don't have what we do and we're having to teach them what it is mm -hmm. and also get them to buy from us. So thinking through all of that in terms of market penetration, market maturity, um, market potential, all of that's really important. And we often find that people just look at last year's goals and say, okay, everybody, 20% more. <laughs> um, and you don't think about the fact that, well, New York is fully penetrated. We don't have any potential in New York, but Ohio, we're, we're barely there. You know, they've got a, sure, yeah. a growing city or economy or some reason. Um, let's actually set a higher target and give more resources to the sales rep there um, and set a realistic goal in New York and maybe even give the give the rep in the, you know, in the fully penetrated, fully, um, fully utilized territory, give them a new territory or, yeah, you know, totally. they're going to work together, something like that. Um, making sure that you're still stretching your team, you're still giving them the opportunity to grow, but you're not um, stretching them outside what's possible because that Definitely. is going to drive um, poor behavior. Definitely. And on the flip side of that, you know, this is going to be a funny thing to say, but sometimes you might have too many targets. Yes. I, I know that this was something within the restoration industry and also for insurance companies that were calling on insurance agencies. There were just too many within yeah. one county. If it's you infinite. Can't, <laughs> you can't go to them all. There's If there's 400 agencies, one person cannot physically go to 400 in a month. Um, so you have to really figure out, okay, which ones fit our target the best? Yeah. Which ones fit us the best? Maybe it's a cultural thing, you know, that um, you know that this area in particular within the county is more receptive to people visiting their office. Absolutely. And this area is not receptive. Yeah. Choose wisely. <laughs> or even, you know, um, when it comes to that situation, which is very common, um, especially if your ideal target 
is a pretty broad category, which is fine if it is, right? Mm -hmm. We're not all targeting like just a very specific slice. Um, Then it's a matter of figuring out, again, um, are there levels of ideal targets? Is this person you know, platinum and this person is gold and this is silver yep. or A, B, and C. Sure. And again, that goes into sales goals and um, making sure that's aligned. You could set targets for somebody and say your sales goal is to get three clients in the A category and two clients in the B category um, or to hit this target with no more than 50% of your clients coming in the B category. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really important to be incentivizing the right kinds of behavior. We had one client, and I think I've told this story before, but I, I can't help myself but to go back to it. They had set sales goals for their team that incentivized them to sell complex custom projects. Okay. And they had uh, an internal delivery team that they wanted to leverage. They thought that it would be good for the company's kind of presence to do creative and interesting things. And so they thought that was the best approach. Well, then what happens? Their internal delivery team got absolutely swamped. Okay. Um, in the market, then the perception is you guys are slow, not able to meet needs. Yeah. And yeah. so you have to take into account when it comes to sales schools, internal capacity as well as that external um, perception and Definitely. situation. And just make sure that those goals are realistic and think about what would happen if they actually achieve these goals or, or outperformed. Absolutely. And you're since you're talking about A, B, and C, you know that's something to consider in your process as well is how much time you're spending. If if your process is mm-hmm. these are my A, you know my A referrals sources and these are B, these are C. How much time you're spending at each level as well? Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. the Bs are more fun um, <laughs> and easier, but if they only have potential to give you one referral a quarter. Versus the A's might be a little pricklier, difficult to get to more, um, you know, more gatekeepers, but they could give you 10 referrals a month. Um, I I think we know where you should be spending your time, even though it's not as easy and not as fun. And there are a lot of salespeople who do a really good job of targeting the hard stuff, even though um, it's hard. And (laughs) that's a lot of times your top performers. (laughs) You know, we see that. But there are also a lot of people, and it's human nature, to just go to comfort zone and go to what's easy and pick the low-hanging fruit. And so you have to think about your ideal targets when you're setting your sales goals and then set targets to actual – or set goals that actually um, align with those targets. And if you say, you know, you have to spend X percent of time with these or the the mix of clients has to be this – Um, that is going to drive the behaviors that you're looking for. Sure. Now, I'm going to go a little bit off topic here because I had a very traumatic experience recently (laughs) that just hearing is is A or B. So for any of you listening in the audience that watched the show The Walking Dead, you know that Rick Grimes is like something dramatic is happening right now. And there is this scene where so I know Elizabeth, you don't watch the show, so there was this it's scene zombies, where, right? <laughs> yeah, zombies. Ugh. Nope. There's this nope, scene. Nope. He's injured. He's basically like dying. He's about to die. And this woman, they've been in the apocalypse for years now. I think like t- six years or longer. The nine show has years, been on forever. Nine years. They've been, you know, at the end of humanity, life, right? For nine years. And then all of a sudden, this lady has a walkie-talkie, and she, Rick is laying there dying, and she's she's talking on a walkie-talkie, 
a helicopter comes after nine years. They have all been living in nothingness. Are these spoilers that our audience They're not has to be concerned about? <laughs> this has already aired. And if you haven't listened to it yet or haven't watched it yet, then you're way late <laughs> and you're not up to date. But uh, yeah, she goes, they say, is it an A or a B? And she says, it's a B or it's an A, whatever it is. And now I want to know what is an A and what is a B? Who, what is weird? Oh my God, I'm in such a cliffhanger right now. <laughs> I wonder if it's even like triage. Like, you know, we're not even going to bother if it's a B, but we'll rescue him if it's an A. Yeah. Well, it's, it, you know what it sounds like? Because she had been mentioning another character potentially pop culture might podcast? being an A or a B. I know this is definitely going to be a pop culture podcast now. Someone else being A or B. And we're thinking that it's actually about if they save him, he could be a potential leader in the future. Ah. So she only wants to send out the best of the best. So I don't know. That's kind of good mystery. Spoiler, but anyway, we're we're no, well, <laughs> that is a, you don't want to tell people um, whether or not they're an A or a B. Um, and yes. I'll, I'll take the business lesson from that. Don't let somebody over here. Um, you yeah, know, whether they're an A or, or or a B at the end of time. Yes, um, you're yeah. not worth saving. You are a B. <laughs> you may or may not live. Yep. Okay. All right. One one more thing when it comes to um, sales goals is to think about your marketing goals mm-hmm. and um, think about, you know, marketing doesn't typically have goals around lead gen, um, but you might work with the marketing team to set goals, not tied to comp, but just general goals. Um, what's the mix of leads you want to generate through inbound leads? Um what are the places that you want to be? And really make sure that you're tying not just sales goals, but marketing goals to yeah. your ideal targets. Because your marketing team could produce an amazing website. They could have the greatest events that are so much fun, so interesting. Crowds attend, right? And if you're not getting your ideal targets to show up, um, it, it that's a cost it's not a value. Yeah. You want your marketing team to be adding value, to be um, generating future revenue, um, to be an investment. And so making sure that you tie your ideal targets to marketing goals is really, really incredibly important. Yep. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Now, of course, you know, Elizabeth, you have heard this a time or 5,000, <laughs> that we talk a lot about sales playbooks here on the podcast. And we're always looking for tips that managers, CEOs, and salespeople can share in their playbook. So I was wondering if you have an actionable tip that listeners might consider adding to their playbook based on the topic of targeting. Absolutely. So it's a little bit of a very specific thing. Um, in general, obviously, your targeting process and criteria, that should all be in your playbook. But very specifically, make sure that your buyer personas are in the playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you actually develop buyer personas like Rebecca was talking about. And we've got that worksheet in the sales and marketing alignment ebook. Um, but take the time to build out rich, actionable, useful buyer personas and then put those in the playbook. Make sure everybody knows where they are, both the sales team and the marketing team, and they know what they should do with them. Um, Because a lot of times we see that buyer personas live in kind of marketing's world. um, And they're on, you know, the marketing folder that sales doesn't have access to or can't navigate. Um, And if you put those in the playbook and make it actionable for everybody, um, you're going to end up actually being able to use them. That's a great idea. I love it. So throw it in your playbook. Um, And of course, we have a whole specific section dedicated to targeting and all those kinds of things within our playbook. And we encourage all of that. Build build out your process, guys. You got this. Definitely. And that that does lead to, you know, when you have those those, um, 
that general process or whatever you have in there, make sure your criteria, the disqualifying and qualifying criteria for targets are right in the playbook and very easy to find. You don't want to have salespeople constantly going to management and saying, is this a qualified deal? Is this okay for me to work on? Mm -hmm. So um, my 1B is going to be um, that that (laughs) you've got those criteria (laughs) in the playbook um, and and very visible. You know, what we see a lot is organizations kind of twist themselves up and get really, um, they find it difficult to say, is this something we should pursue? Mm-hmm. Even when it comes to an RFP comes in, right? Is this an RFP we should pursue? Um, salesperson says, oh, I, th- I think I might have a lead. And you've got three different people in different levels of management all trying to figure out, should the salesperson work on that lead? Have clear criteria and follow them. Yep. Um, you can still always have exceptions. Um, figure out what's your process for managing exceptions. Who can make that decision and how? Um we just see people like spin themselves up and spend all kinds of time and effort and energy, and they end up making sometimes really poor decisions because they don't have those consistent criteria. Um, so a playbook is a really great p- place to store those criteria. So again, everybody has access to it, but the salespeople and the leaders. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for talking to me today about targeting, sales targeting, and planning for next year. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. It was interesting when you asked me to write about this. I obviously um, could talk about it uh, a lot longer, (laughs) but we want to respect everybody's time. Um, Yeah. So definitely jump into the show notes, criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 99. Grab a copy of the ebook. It's completely free. Uh, You can check out all of the great tips that are in there and get started building out your sales playbook focused on sales targeting. Definitely. And uh, for once, it's not like an epic, long, crazy book. I think it's a very <laughs> reasonable length. It's totally readable. It Only is. three chapters. It is. Um, so it is very digestible. Be, um, so don't feel anxious if you're not a big reader. It's very easy. Everything is um, separated out very easily into points and yeah. Yeah. A mix <laughs> of content and design. Awesome. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. And thank you so much to our audience for listening to today's show. Again, you can find the show notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod nine nine. <laughs> Tune in next week for an interview with Deb Calvert. She is from the Sales Experts channel. You won't want to miss that. And of course, tune in on Friday for an inspirational quote from Zig Ziglar narrated by Charles. All month, we are writing about targeting on the CFS blog. So check that out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. If you're enjoying the show, we would love if you would subscribe and throw us a a review. That would mean the world to us. Your ratings and reviews really help other people to find us and we appreciate it so very much. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself here, Rebecca Tooney, Ariana Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. And I need to learn to speak slower sometimes because, you know, (laughs) trips up. So thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, audience. And happy selling out there.